Hello, everyone, and welcome to Don't Stay in Your Lane. Today, we're talking to Jack of NASJAQ, N-A-S-J-A-Q, who has quite a prolific profile on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, talking about hard tech, frontier tech, but he started off as a chemical engineer just trying to figure it out. Today, he goes through all those past milestones, how he started investing on the side, and why he is building the brand he is. First, I kind of want to hear the origin story of the name NASJAQ, because it's a great name. It makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that. I spent a lot of time on the name or it kind of just came to me, but essentially it's like NASDAQ, but for startups. And so the original phrase was hijack the NASDAQ, skip the nine to five, take a risk and build the future. That's where NASDAQ is. It's like in the future world of like the companies that will be eventually on the NASDAQ. Yeah. But I really don't like the phrase hijack the NASDAQ <laughs> because it sounds kind of bad. So now it's just kind of NASDAQ is like just the futuristic place for the NASDAQ. Okay. But that's the original phrase. Yeah. Oh, okay, amazing. And I was like, now every time anybody sees NASDAQ, they kind of think of NASDAQ. So it's like really good, a subtle branding too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then with this branding of yourself as like the NASDAQ, like building this idea of the future, when did that start for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So before you were asking me like what my background is, and it took a long time to come up with what I wanted to do. Yeah. And if you want the really long story, but the short story essentially is I was a chemical engineer. I went to Canada and studied chemical engineering at Dalhousie. And the coolest thing there was that Jeff Don, the Tesla battery researcher, was actually my physics professor, which is like just a really cool connection. But after university, I went back to the States and I didn't have very many friends because I was just in the States and I had gone to school in Canada. So what I ended up doing was I drove to Nevada. And I went to the Tesla Gigafactory and I talked my way into a job there. And then I was like, okay, this is cool. At the same time, I was studying for my GMATs for going to grad school. But then eventually I was like, okay, I'm not actually going to do this. Why did you decide against it? Because I feel like a lot of people listening to this podcast are deciding that point in their life right now as well. Yeah. So it was around that point that I had been reading like Paul Graham essays. Paul Graham was slightly before that, but I was still like had momentum for grad school. But Paul Graham essays and then other startups and that I was just watching. And then also I went back down to Texas and I started working in solar industry because kind of the solar industry had some hype back then. It still does. but And so what I did after the Tesla Gigafactory was I went back to Texas and I think most people like kind of embellish their history. So I'm going to try not to do that. But what I did was I took a really like crappy just door knocking job. And I was going door to door selling solar <laughs> because I was like, okay, solar industry is going to be interesting and I want to get here. And this is like the immediate entry point. But I did door knocking and, you know, it was not fun. But what I did during that was I came up with a startup idea and it was a startup to essentially, you know, bring metrics and intelligence to door knocking to make the fleet more intelligent because it's a part time job. And so I thought that, like, if you could get a bunch of high schoolers making money, kind of gamify it and make it kind of social and give them metrics on like what the homeowner like thinks, like their income and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought you could make a ton of money and then sell the leads to full-time sales reps and stuff like that. So yeah. I was building that app and I was down in Texas. So I quit the door knocking job and then started this own startup. It's a startup for door knocking, which is like the origin story of all these startups, like did something, oh, this needs to be better doing something. Yeah. And in hindsight though, it turns out that it was good that I didn't do that because of COVID. It would have just completely wrecked everything and you would have had to go full digital. 
But while I was building that, I met a team at a Y Combinator startup named Flow Command, and eventually they rebanded into Carvic. So I met the founder and I started working for them. I started building out like their manufacturing and their assembly line process. So that was pretty interesting. And I took that instead of doing the startup because I just wanted to learn more about startups. And I was like, okay, I can get the YC brand and like learn from them and actually get connections from there. And so I'm really glad that I chose that because then that gave me stability. And in like 2019, when I had been at that job for, you know, a few months, I started making TikToks on the side. And so that was when my first TikTok went viral. And before that, I had actually been making YouTube videos under the name NASDAQ as well. But I was like, YouTube's not going to grow at all. Yeah. And so TikTok eventually came along. And with TikTok, like the time wasn't even, if I had been doing this in 2018, it wasn't ready. Yeah. But in 2019, it was ready. And I went viral for the first time. It got like 300,000 views. What was that like first video that went viral? What was it about? It's kind of poetic. It was uh, Elon's Starship presentation about how he was making the Starship. And he was down in Boca Chica in front of the first Starship. And so it's pretty cool that in my videos, I've also been down to Boca Chica and like seen the Starship launches. And now the orbital launch is going to happen. And that was kind of the beginning for me too. And I really like that. I'm glad that that was the first viral video. So then like I doubled down and I was like, okay, there needs to be some space content on TikTok. So I started making a bunch of TikToks just specifically about SpaceX. Like I made why they're making it out of stainless steel, what the engines are, all this kind of stuff. And then I started doing other space startups. So like Axiom Space, I just made one about Varda, although that wasn't around in 2019. Yeah. And then I started making videos about startups in general and just hard tech in general. And it kind of grew from there. But I was like, this is my wedge. It's a great wedge and your videos are really entertaining and actually makes it very accessible to learn hard tech. Even as someone who's kind of seeing hard tech every day, I love watching your TikToks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Do you see any kind of issues right now with how people understand deep tech and hard tech or like, is there kind of a gap you're trying to fill? Yeah, that's a good question. When I was talking about Varda yesterday, so for context, Varda is making the mini space factories, as I'm sure you know, because Lex invested but they're making the mini space factories and their first product or one of their first products is likely going to be Zeblan fiber optic cable, which when you produce it in space with the zero gravity, it has less defects compared to manufactured on earth. And a lot of people are like, you need a lot of money to do that. And it's going to be at a high price point. Nobody's going to buy that. And it's like, that's what venture capital is for. That's how you start the business. And then you can bootstrap into other areas. Like you're building the platform, the mini factory to go into space. Like all of that kind of stuff is is kind of difficult to understand. So I've actually been thinking like I need to make more videos just kind of explaining the mechanics of that, like kind of the modern Paul Graham essays, <laughs> stuff like that, like, yeah. like actually explaining startups. And obviously, if I use Paul Graham terminology, I'll reference it. But yeah. And then how like capital intensive startups operate much differently than consumer startups. I think that's a very big lesson in venture capital in general. It's like, are you touching humans in two months? Are you touching humans in 10 years? Because that's like how financing works. Are you funding research? And that's what's cool about Varda is because they have a launch plan in like two years. And so even though they're a hard tech startup, they're still going to have revenue coming in pretty soon. Yeah. Which is really important for hard tech startups. I basically won't invest in anything that has like a revenue stream in 10 years after a research project. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pre-research is really hard, which is why like Silicon Valley exists, right? Because we have the universities here that are funding the pre, like the research projects that are becoming the companies. Eventually, I want to be funding that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's like way down the line. Okay. So you're talking about funding. So you also invest. What do you invest in? How do you do investments? When did you get into it? 
Yeah, so I got into investing in 2020 when the SEC changed their accreditation laws and I took the test and everything like that. And I had deal flow and the first investment that I made was a quantum computing startup. And so what they're doing is they're using quantum computers to create new materials. And this is really cool. And it, it sounds kind of contradictory to what I just said as in like funding a research project. Yeah. But the difference is that the quantum computer already exists. They're just building the algorithm to actually do the search function and then they'll have the materials pretty soon. So it's less of a research project than like building a new novel quantum computing. But that's like one startup that I invested in. That's my favorite one. <laughs> or that's a great one. Yeah. It's the main and one. then how do you like when you assess these startups, how much does founder matter? Because I think that's always the question for VCs. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm doing early stage investing and I think the idea can change over time. So it's all about the founder and like their drive, their mentality, how they think about like, are they actually going to do a 10-year research project or are they do they have steps to make revenue in the meantime? Stuff like that is really important to me. Okay, awesome. And then, so you do research, you do TikToks, are, anything else on your plate? No, I'm just fully focused on the content. And so in addition to the TikTok content, what I'm trying to do now is expand into YouTube. So what that means is, you know, I have a few options. I could do long form essays, like longer TikToks, essentially. Yeah. But I think now that TikTok has three minute videos, it doesn't really make sense for me. Yeah. So I think the best thing to do is to do a podcast on YouTube, because then the YouTube algorithm will actually start recommending it. Okay. So that's what I'm really focused on. Right now, I'm in Texas and like kind of between places. And so I'm moving to Utah in like uh, 10 days or so, or seven days now. I'm super excited. Why Utah? I found an apartment at the base of a mountain, <laughs> which sounds kind of funny, but it's like, okay, everything I do is online. Everything's remote. I can fly out and meet people at parties or whatever. But really what it is, is I want to be in the mountains and I want to be healthy and fit and also just focus on my online stuff completely. All right, cool. And so doing that, and then I'm going to really focus on the podcast. I've been moving around a lot in the last few months. So now I'm going to settle down and be like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> What's your podcast name? NASDAQ Futurism with a V, F-V-T-R-I-S-M. I might change it to the NASDAQ show, but I don't know. I haven't decided yet. What kind of people do you want on this show? A lot of researchers doing hard tech research because, and then obviously some hard tech founders. I think there's a lot of VC podcasts out there. So I don't want to just interview VCs. I think that is a saturated market and people have already listened to those interviews. But I think like if I got the leading researcher on cloud seeding, that would be awesome. And so like one of my next podcasts, when I get to Utah, I'm going to start posting these. But right now, Sam Kriegman, he is developing biobots or these Xenobots, which are, they come from Michael Levin's lab, and he's essentially computationally designing novel organisms and then building them in a lab. And it's really cool using like frog embryos. So like stuff like that is really cool. And they aren't on the podcast circuit. So hopefully I can make them go viral and stuff like that. Awesome. And then, okay, so stepping back, you're becoming this hard tech guy. So are you always this hard tech guy growing up? Like, what were you thinking? Like, what kind of sparked that joy in you? And how did you get there? Yeah, that's a great question. I did grow up in Houston next to the Space Center. Yeah. So that might have helped a little bit. But what I really like point towards when people ask me that, I think it was like third year university, I read The Martian. And the day before that, I was playing soccer and I broke my ankle or I broke my foot, sprained my ankle. And so I was bedridden and I was like, okay, I just sat in bed and I read The Martian. 
in one day. And I was like, oh my God, I'm on Mars. Like, this is amazing. ISRU, like in-situ resource utilization. This is so cool. And I ended up changing my fourth year capstone project to a Martian resource resource utilization project. And yeah, that really sparked the entrance. I like went down the rabbit hole on NASA research papers and everything like that. Amazing. And then do a lot of people reach out to you for mentorship on like how you got to where you are? Because it's quite impressive. And I'm sure like a lot of kids think about space, but don't really know how to build like a monetized life from knowing about space. Do you have any kind of advice? Yeah. I would also say like just kind of partially answering that and kind of going back is that investing in Tesla in 2012 actually really got me into hard tech too, because that was some pretty good gains from 2012 to 2020. And it was by like investing in a futuristic company that was doing something difficult. And, you know, you can argue all you want about their financials, but it was a good return for me. So that really got me interested as well. And so I think that kind of stuff is important. It's interesting that all the SPACs are coming out. I hope people don't get burned. But going back to mentorship, people do ask me like how they can get into deep tech. And I usually just tell them like, get on Twitter. I have an intro to startups Twitter list on my Twitter profile. So follow that. That's like the top 50 people that I just added to that list right away. But other than that, the main thing that I get is people actually building startups. So it's not really people looking to invest. Actually, Roel did reach out to me, a Roel Rana from Lux, and he was talking about investing and that's how we connected. So, yeah. so that is a good answer to that. And that was before he got Lux too. I also connected with him a year before he got Lux. <laughs> yeah, he's great at outreach. That's like his superpower. <laughs> he would just DM anybody. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And he started working at Lux before me too. So then it was like, oh, we're just like, yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> yeah. So mostly it's just people reaching out about their startups that they're building. Okay. And then when people reach out about their startups, like when you kind of assess them, what's like the number one thing that like commonalities in deep tech, early stage space startups, reaching out to you to know more or get content generated about them? Like what interests me or what does the typical DM look like? What does the typical DM look like? Most of them are pretty good. Some of them are like, so a recent one was, hey, I was an undergraduate researcher in biomedical engineering, and I saw your video on bioelectricity, and I spoke to my research professor, and I'm going to do a graduate studies in bioelectricity, and like eventually I want to build a startup around this. And so it's kind of very early stage. Sometimes there are early other later stage, but early stage as well, yeah. where they're like, hey, I was talking to this investor, they mentioned like, you're good at hard tech, or like, hey, I've seen your TikToks, I love what you're doing for hard tech, here's what I'm building, that kind of stuff. And or like, sometimes it stems from if I've actually made a video about that topic, then I'll get deal flow about that topic. Amazing. Yeah, that's like, you've kind of like, cheated the game, like the formula when it comes to like making a brand investing. Very impressive. That's the goal. I want so much inbound. Yeah. And I don't know if you had a question, but I was going to say like, it kind of started from me seeing David Dobrik videos. (laughs) And I fell in love with his videos in 2018, 2019. And I was like, he is making a ton of money. He has a vlog squad. And one of my original ideas was like a founder squad, if I ever did vlogging. And then the other thing was like, he's making a ton of money. And he's getting all these celebrities to reach out to him and be in the videos and stuff like that. And so I was like, I can kind of take that model and use it for startups. So you're still kind of new to this, not actually new, but it's only been a couple of years. Where do you see this going in like the next few years, five years? Yeah. So I definitely still think I'm at like 2% of what I want to be. (laughs) I'm still hungry. I still think it's day one. I do not think I'm successful at all. 
That said, what I want to do is I want to build, I was telling you this before the podcast, and I didn't start out wanting to build this, but I think a good analogy is like ARK Invest, but for startups. So like ARK Invest has all their analysts being very public facing, posting content on Twitter. I eventually want to have analysts for NASDAQ firm be very public facing and getting deal flow that way and putting themselves out there. It's also kind of like A16Z, but essentially what I want to do is I want to build a fund that is run by content in a modern sense and invest in deep tech startups. Amazing. So like in Dreesen, would everyone be like a partner? And so everyone's public facing, everyone's trying to build out their own brand, make content. Would that content all be short form video? Do you see that as the future of content? Yeah, I think short form video is really important. I do think longer essays are needed and I still think people watch them, but I think the way to go viral is through TikTok and that's short form for now. They did just increase it to three minutes, but I also don't think like you have to be constrained to video. The only reason that I did video is because one, it was like, that's kind of how you become an influencer that's a little bit different than people writing Substack blogs. Like I wouldn't be anything different or unique if I was doing that. But number two is that I think kind of my thesis is that Twitter is a text-based medium and startup Twitter is on Twitter because it was a lot of SaaS companies and code companies in the formation of startup Twitter. And it was all these software engineers that were on Twitter. But now if you're building these hard tech companies, those engineers are very visual people and they're always building like rockets and you know engines and stuff like that. And so they're watching YouTube videos of experiments or like rocket launches and all that stuff. And so they're on the YouTube and TikTok platforms. And so like if you want to get young engineers, so I'm creating like a five, 10 year pipeline where like a young kid is in 10th or 12th grade and he's like, okay, maybe I kind of want to study engineering. And then, you know, he sees my videos, he studies engineering throughout those years. He's like thinking of startups because he's consuming my content. And then, you know, after he graduates or before he graduates, I don't care if you have a degree, like he reaches out, he's like, Hey, I have this cool idea, kind of inspired by a video or something like that. And they want me to invest and be with them. And so, yeah, that's kind of like the pipeline that I'm trying to build is those people that are very visual. Amazing. And then I think a lot of people forget that that pipeline is so important. Is that kind of come in handy already? The fact that you have access to a pipeline of young talent? Yeah. So one way that I'm hoping to capitalize on that soon is by building out a job board. So I'm going to be working with Palette and setting up a job board so that startups can be on that job board. I just talked to Kai yesterday. Yeah. Kai's awesome. And Kai is the CEO and founder of Palette, which is an amazing company that everyone should hop onto. Yes, definitely. It's like they finally figured out how to do LinkedIn, but actually good. Yeah. And it's because all these influencers have the talent pools. It's brilliant. So I'm going to do that. And one thing that they're doing that's interesting is that if you're, say you're an engineer, you can go to my job board and sign up for a talent pool. And what that means is you can like drop your resume off. And then companies that are looking at my job board can look through all the resumes that have been dropped off and then be like, oh, that guy's perfect for this job, even if we didn't post it on the job board. I think that's so smart. That means engineers can like put their resumes down and stuff like that. Yeah, recruiting is becoming more and more niche and then people are trying to get jobs on their interests again, which is a good thing, but it's also something that LinkedIn and Indeed are not optimized for. Yeah, like on my video last week, every week I do what happened in hard tech startups. And on my video last week, I got like 10 comments saying like, me frantically Googling these startups for jobs. <laughs> like I got so many comments about that. And I was like, okay, like clearly it's time for the job board. <laughs> like I need to do this. The job board from content creators is really a novel, cool idea. So 
going back five, 10 years, you're at 2% of your potential, which I also see. Do you see kind of movement in how people see like content creation as being part of their income streams from you? Or do you think it's already kind of being oversaturated like Substacks, like Twitter? Hmm. No, it's definitely not oversaturated. Okay. TikTok was brilliant. And this point has been beaten to death, but it's not attached to your social graph. And so anybody can go viral. Anybody can do anything. And this won't be the first platform that that idea works for. Like, I believe that there will be a Twitter that's not attached to your social graph. And I think Twitter by not actually like, you know how they have the home algorithm and then they have all your lists, like you can kind of switch homepages. Yeah. I think they need to have one that's like just popular Twitter kind of thing, like a homepage of Twitter. Yeah. I think that would be brilliant, but I think that will happen. And so I think a lot of people are realizing, Hey, I can make a side income. Like I'm working my nine to five and in my nights, I'm going to do this. I think a lot of people are seeing that and it's going to be possible. I don't think it's saturated. And I think there's a lot more people on the long tail of things in the niche sections. I think what's difficult is quitting your job. And that's a big step. What got you to that point for you? There was a startup that reached out to me and they were like, hey, here's a brand deal. It was in the five figures. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna take this. And that is maybe you know a few weeks of income or a few months and let's go, <laughs> let's do it. I'm a little spontaneous, but like I was just at the point where I knew that it was time I should have been spending my days doing other things. So yeah. And then for you, like, what's the perfect day? We had someone else on the podcast, I think a few weeks ago who like, she was like, I want people to ask what's your perfect day, not what's your perfect job. Yeah, that's a great question. So my perfect day is like waking up, having coffee, and then going for a walk. I try to walk like 15 miles a day, 10 miles a day. So I walk a lot. And so I take a lot of little mini walks. So I do my walk in the morning, I come back, I do emails, I do all that kind of, you know, maintenance stuff. And then I go for another walk and then I come back and on my walks, I'm like listening to podcasts or audiobooks, and I'm thinking about videos that I should be creating. So I come back, I make a video and make my content for the day, maybe around like 12 to 3 p.m. Do that kind of stuff. And then I go for another walk, come back, have dinner. I'm researching stuff, researching like futuristic stuff, consuming content, and then posting my content and talking to people on my walks and stuff like that. That's not really a great answer because it sounds like I'm not working, but like on my walks, I'm always calling people. I'm always texting people. I'm always thinking about things. A lot of my job is like thinking of ideas of what I should be doing, yeah. what kind of video I should be making and like thinking about the long-term like maze that I'm going through. So that like really helps me. Strategy, long-term maze. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a lot of it. Like it realistically, it maybe takes me like four hours to make a video but I would say like half of that is just like thinking about like all different ideas of videos. And then once I actually sit down to write, so I write out the script that maybe takes like 30 minutes and then I film the video and that maybe takes like another 30 minutes and then editing it 30 minutes. So I would say like an hour and a half is the actual video, but then there's a lot more that of just like thinking about it. Amazing. And then you like thinking all day. Like you came to the conclusion that that's your preferred mode because a lot of people don't <laughs> like thinking all day. I like listening to podcasts and audiobooks and trying to find stuff. And then that way, like, or I'm preparing for a call with a founder and stuff like that, or I'm just doing like outreach and talking to people, that kind of stuff, like trying to network throughout the day, trying to talk to people, think about ideas. That's what I tried to do. Cool. All right. That's the most important thing because I'm always putting things out there and then the world will kind of bring them back. <laughs> like, that's what I think about it is like, so when I'm on my walks, I'm thinking about my long term strategy and. What that means is like, 
I believe that the internet is like an AGI, yeah. artificial general intelligence, and that what you tell it, it will like bring it back for you. What you request of it, it will bring it back, whether it's in like a day, a week, a month, or a year, or longer time frame, and that you just got to throw stuff out there. And so that's really important. So creating content and then things will come through. Amazing. It's kind of like karma, but dig- digital karma. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Is there any question I haven't asked you yet that I should ask you? which is the very lazy podcast closing. No, I always ask that question. Okay. No, I think the important thing was that, I guess maybe like what my advice would be or something like that, something generic like that. But before this podcast, I was thinking like what thread has always been in my path. And, you know, your podcasts don't stay in your lane. And that's exactly what I did. Like I graduated as a chemical engineer and I literally drove to the Tesla Gigafactory and took a job there. Yeah. Like I should have gone into a junior chemical engineering position, but I was like, no, I will end up like my dad. Like I cannot do that. Like I cannot be at Shell for 30 years or whatever. Like I can't do that to myself. And so everything that I did was like rebelling against doing the thing that I was supposed to do. Yeah. Like I wasn't supposed to drive to the Gigafactory. I wasn't supposed to start my own startup or door knock for solar. I wasn't supposed to start TikTok in 2019 when it wasn't cool yeah, yeah. or when it was only cool for like middle schools and high schoolers. Like now it's aging up, but like, why would I do it if I'm doing VC? Like, why not take an analyst position? Like every single thing that I did was I just didn't do what I was supposed to. And that is like the only thing that I prefer doing. Like some people don't need to do that, but that's how I got here. And that's how I thought of everything. Amazing. That's really good advice, especially the podcast is named Don't Stay in Your Lane. So you just definitely did it. That's- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone's like, I had a weird way into VC, but it's like they came from Stanford or something. But like, no, <laughs> like I was door knocking and then I started TikTok. Like, even though I'm a chemical engineer, like I did not do what I was supposed to. <laughs> yeah. And then like I came up with it from like, I mean, I came up with it from a lot of different ways, but one of the things was David Dobrik and like he has Vlog Squad and he's a comedy video. But like, how did that make sense? Like, how did I come up with that? And Another framework that I use is like, I always try to combine like art and science or art and engineering. And that's where a lot of like important things come from. That's kind of like a, I think it's from Walter Isaacson. He weaves that thread through like Steve Jobs, Da Vinci, people like that in their biographies. So I I think that is super important to me. And so then like art is the videos and engineering is the hard tech and combining that nobody's done that. That's kind of how I thought of it. I haven't thought of content creation as art, but it really is. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And people kind of look down on creating art if they're like a high powered person. And I think that's where a lot of VC funds will struggle is because they're outsourcing content creation because they want to build the next A6 and Z. Yeah. But I would actually argue that Mark Andreessen is a content creator. He's out there. He used to be prolific on Twitter. Like he is for sure a content creator. And I think a lot of these venture funds that are trying to become A6 and Z or seeing the content wave. They're just paying creators to make content under their name. Like what happens when they come to announce something? Like they're going to use a different creator and nobody's really attached to the brand name. Like, I don't know. So yeah. No, that's fair. And at the end of the day, venture capitalists are supposed to be futurists, right? So a futurist needs to forecast and forecasting requires... Use the technology. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Great. Thank you. I've thought about it a lot. I hope it makes sense. (laughs) It does. Follow me on Twitter at NASDAQ underscore underscore. And my podcast will be coming out soon. Right now it's called NASDAQ Futurism and you can find it on YouTube by just searching NASDAQ. Yeah. And it's also on Spotify. You really branded NASDAQ, N-A-S-J-A-Q. Yeah, just like NASDAQ. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. 
This is great. Thanks for having me. Of course.